Hebrews chapter 10, uh, begin reading at verse 23. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Uh, The message I want to share with you this morning, we've entitled Church Matters. Church Matters. Um, You know, here we are at the beginning of the year and we've been talking about uh, being vigilant, being being vigilant or being alert, being uh, prepared, being sober-minded, being serious about our faith, serious because spiritual things are serious, Uh, and to kick off this year after a crazy few years of pandemic hysteria, I want us to look at the church. I want to encourage you to make this a year that church matters in your life, Uh, to be vigilant about being connected, and to make fellowship a priority. Uh, I wanted to ask the the kids, um, which which animal on the ark could Noah not trust? Cheetah! Thank you, Abel. Thank you very much. A cheetah. Huh? How come, how come Jonah didn't trust the ocean? Because he knew there was something fishy about it. <laughs> a little girl... A little girl became restless as the preacher's sermon seemed to go on and on and on. Finally, she leaned over to her mother and whispered, Mommy, if we give him the money now, will he let us go? (laughs) After a church service on Sunday morning, a young boy suddenly announced to his mother, Mom, I've decided to become a minister when I grow up. That's okay with us, but what made you decide that? Well, said the little boy, I have to go to church on Sunday anyway, and I figure it would be more fun to stand up and yell than to sit and listen. A Sunday school teacher asked her children as they were on their way to the church service, and why is it necessary to be quiet in church? One bright little girl replied, because people are sleeping. A four-year-old prayed, and forgive us our trash baskets, and we forgive those who put trash in our baskets. How many of y'all know people that put trash in your basket? A mother was preparing pancakes for her sons, Kevin, who was five, and Ryan, three. The boys began to argue over who would get the first pancake. Their mother saw the opportunity for a moral lesson. If Jesus were sitting here, he would say, let my brother have the first pancake. I can wait. Kevin turned to his younger brother and said, Ryan, you be Jesus. Finding, uh, finding one of her students making faces at others on the playground, Miss Smith stopped gently to correct the child. Sweet, smiling sweetly, the Sunday school teacher said, Bobby, when I was a child, I was told that if I made ugly faces, it would freeze and I would stay like that. Bobby looked up into her face and replied, Well, Mrs. Smith, you can't say you weren't warned. <laughs> then finally... A Sunday school teacher challenged her children to take some time on Sunday afternoon to write a letter to God. They were to bring their letter back the following Sunday. One little boy wrote, Dear God, we had a good time at church today. Wish you could have been there. (laughs) Unfortunately, that's kind of true. 
in some of our church services. Amen. When we look at, when we look at the statistics, the number of folks attending church is dropping in North America. Uh, along with that is a rise of the number of people who have no religious affiliation at all. Uh, the last uh, polling that they took around 2019 or 2020, it's the first time that the population of the United States, less than 50% of the population, is attending some type of religious service every week. And that doesn't just include Christianity. That includes Judaism, Islam. Less than 50% of the United States is attending some spiritual uh, religious service. Um, and obviously, we, we, we recognize that it is an issue. And in a lot of cases, we are losing young people. We are using, losing our kids as they go off to college. And they're being, uh, and being filled and, and flooded with a lot of information that causes uh, young folks to question and wrestle with their faith. And I'm not going to get into all the reasons of why people have decided uh, to stop coming to church because that might get boring. And church being boring is one of the reasons why people don't come to church. So I don't want to talk about why people aren't coming to church because you might get bored and then you won't come back to church. Um, but, and I will have to admit, obviously the, the pandemic has done us no favors uh, as we've all felt the anxiety of being around a crowd of people for fear of catching COVID. Church attendance obviously has taken a hit. And this morning as I talk about church matters, I'm not here to try to condemn anyone. I get it, right? I get it. This is a strange time. And you need to take precautions, and I completely, I completely get that. Um, but I want to unashamedly this morning go on record by saying that church matters, and I believe that attending church matters. And if we are going to be vigilant about our faith and serious about our spiritual lives, church has to be in the mix. It has to be in the mix. Now, I also understand that the church is not this building, as, as nice as this building is and I appreciate all the money and work that we put into it to make it a place where we can come and worship together I realize that the church is not this building the church is made up of those who have been saved those who have been born again those who have been redeemed by grace through the faith in the work of Jesus on the cross and I understand that there are, that you can go to church and not be a Christian at all there are people that are sitting in sanctuaries this morning, all over the United States, all over the world, that don't know Jesus, that don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I do believe that you can have a relationship with Jesus without being a consistent churchgoer or being physically present in the room. I get it. I understand that my relationship with Christ is not dependent upon my relationship to a building. I understand that. And this is not a sermon about how bad of a person you are if you don't come to church. Because that's what we have done lots of times in evangelical circles. If you don't come to church, there's something wrong with you. You don't love Jesus. You don't love me. You're going to hell, right? And so lots of times that's how it comes across. And so I'm not here to say if you don't go to church, you're a bad person. Especially since there may be people sitting in your pew right now that's even worse than people that don't attend church. Come on now. Don't point at anyone. And I'm not preaching that attending church somehow saves you. Or even makes you a better Christian. The fact is we're all on a grace journey. And this building is full of messed up people that need grace. And the, when we're able to admit to that in the first place. Then we can get where God wants us to go. There's nobody in here that doesn't need grace. Ever. At any point in your life. Right? You never graduate from grace. You always need grace. But in this sermon, I am obeying what this passage of scripture says. Now, the book of Hebrews um, 
The writer of Hebrews makes an extremely beautiful picture in this book of the covenant that God has made with us because of Jesus Christ. He has pointed us to how Jesus is greater than the angels. Jesus is greater than Moses. Jesus is greater than the Levitical priests. And that through Jesus we have access to a brand new relationship with God. And here he begins with encouraging them to hold fast to their profession of faith. Hold fast to the faith that they have in Jesus Christ, in God. And he even tells us why we can hold fast to that profession. Why? Because he who has promised is faithful. You can hold fast to your profession of faith because he who has promised is faithful. And even tells us and reminds us that living out our faith involves others. As we live our faith out, it includes other people. He gives us two quick commands here. Number one, provoke or encourage one another unto love and good works. Some of you guys are provokers, but you're not provoking me to love. You're provoking me to punch you. Y'all know anybody like that? Anybody that's provoked you to, to punch them? Amen. Come on. It's probably your brother or your sister, right? Right? It's like the Sunday school teacher that asks the kids, is like, you know, the honor your father and mother is a commandment on how we're supposed to respond to our kids, or our parents. And then they ask the kids, is there anything in the Ten Commandments that tells us how we should respond to our brother or sister? And one of the kids said, thou shalt not kill. <laughs> we're supposed to provoke or encourage. I'm supposed to encourage you to walk in love, encourage you to love others. I'm to encourage you to do good works. I want to encourage you to live a life that makes a difference, that makes an impact. That's what the writer of Hebrews tells us to do. And second of all, he, he, his command for us is do not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. It's a, pretty, it's a pretty plain statement. Now, obviously, how they had church at this time is not necessarily the same way that we have church today. I understand they probably didn't even, they probably didn't even gather in, this, in some uh, centralized building necessarily. More than likely, they probably gathered in people's homes. And somebody led a service, right? Or led the reading of scripture. Or they probably sang songs together. They prayed together. They ate together. Come on now. And so, but the, the principle is the same. Do not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. And emphasizes that we should do this all the more as we see the day of this pa world passing away coming closer and closer. So the commandment is, as we see time winding down, it should cause us to encourage one another, keep walking, keep standing, keep doing good, keep loving, keep serving, and keep assembling together as the church, as the people of God. Church is where and how we do these things. Church is where we learn to truly love and serve in good works that help other people. It's where we assemble together to find community and connection and service. Church matters, and it should matter in our lives. It should matter in our lives. God has chosen that through this crazy, cobbled-together group of people called the church, that this is how he has decided to manifest his goodness and to show his grace to the world. God has decided to choose people to be the instrument through which he would share the gospel and show the grace of God. And parents, parents, if we don't show our kids that church matters, then we can't be shocked when they get older 
and no longer see church as a priority in their lives. I don't say that again to condemn anyone, but our children look at us. And if they don't see that church matters to us, there's no reason for us to believe that it's going to matter to them. Amen? We need to learn more about what the church is, why it's important, why it's so beautiful, why it's such a wonderful gift, why it's something that God wants to do in the world and through us to manifest His goodness and His grace. There's a few things I want to point out about the beauty and the wonder of what we call the church. The first thing is it's the body of Christ. The Bible paints a beautiful picture of the church as the body of Christ. This obviously indicates that we are to be the manifestation of the character, the heart, the mission of Jesus on earth. But it also reminds us that we are dependent on each other. So as the body of Christ, as Jesus said to Philip, Jesus said, Philip, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And so as the body of Christ, as the church, that's actually supposed to be our testimony. That when you have seen us, you have seen the work of Jesus Christ in our lives. I know that's a, that's a tall thing to live up to, right? But that's who we are. We're a walking, talking advertisement of the grace of God. We are a walking, talking advertisement of God's goodness and God's wonder in our world as the body of Christ. But it also means that we are connected, that we are dependent upon each other. Paul makes a very, very important point when he starts talking about the body of Christ. He's like, you can't see one body part walking down the road by itself. You see a hand walking down the street, that's not a body, it's a creature. Right? It's the Adams family. Right? My eyes are pretty important. But if they're not stuck in my head, sitting on my neck, sitting on my body, my eyes are just going to be laying on the ground looking at dirt. Right? My head's got to carry my eyeballs someplace. My body's got to carry my head somewhere. We're all connected in that way. And Paul even makes the point that really the most important parts of our body are the parts you can't even see. It's the parts that are not out front. It's even the parts that are kind of ugly. Right? It's hard for me to watch those hospital shows. And as soon as they cut them open, I'm like, I'm out of here. And it's not even that I necessarily have an issue with blood. It's just like I feel their pain. They start cutting their chest open. I'm like, oh, oh, man. But really, the, the Bible says it's the parts we don't even see. The parts that we think that are not quite as attractive are the parts that may very well be the most important part of the church. There are things that happen behind the scenes at this church that you never hear about up on this stage. But if they didn't happen, this church wouldn't be as successful or wouldn't be reaching the people we're reaching or doing the things that we're doing. There's people behind the scenes that don't have titles, that don't get paid, that do it simply because they love Jesus and they love people. And because of that, other people are being changed and reached and transformed by the grace and the goodness of God. We are the body of Christ and we need each other. Whether you're the mouthpiece or we're the hand, or you're the foot, or you're the liver. We all need each other. We're all connected together. We are interlocked. Who you are is intimately connected to who I am. It's my relationship to you that helps me find out who I am myself. The reason why many Christians struggle in their Christian walk is because they're disconnected from the ones that they are most 
they are to be connected to the most. It's our connection to each other that helps define who I am and who I'm supposed to be. Within the community of believers, we learn our purpose by our interaction with each other. We learn who we are as we connect to each other as the body of Jesus Christ. And Paul makes that point by saying, listen, we've all got gifts, we've all got talents, and we should be bringing it in order to lift up and encourage the church, in order to help somebody else or make a difference in somebody else's life. You have the ability to do that, and that's because we are the body of Christ. So the church matters because it's the body of Christ. Number two, it matters because it's a family. The church is made up of redeemed people that the Bible says is now considered children of God. If we have been bought by the blood of Jesus, if we have said yes to his grace, we are the children of God. I may have told this story to you before, but this was years ago. I was in Taco Bell. That's the good way to start, right? I was in Taco Bell, down in Canal City. There was a guy standing in line in front of me, covered in tattoos, piercings all over himself. And he had a tattoo on his neck that said, child of God. And I don't know what came over me, but I asked him, is that true? And he looked at me like I had just smacked him. He said, is what true? I said, your tattoo says child of God. And he said, I mean, aren't we all children of God? So we got into this long discussion in Taco Bell about what it really means to be a child of God. The answer to the question is no, actually, we're not all children of God. We, we could be called children of God in the, in the sense that we are all creations of God. But only those who the blood of Jesus Christ has redeemed can be called truly children of God. Only those whom God's grace has rescued and transformed and turned us into different people can truly be called the children of God. That's what makes the church so special is because we have a relationship that cannot be found anywhere else on planet earth. We have a relationship with each other that goes much deeper than even blood, than even flesh, than even surface knowledge of one another. This relationship goes so deep that it has eternal realities involved with it. Folks, you've got to put up with me for eternity. Some of y'all ready to quit Christianity now. We truly are brothers and sisters. We love each other. We serve each other. We stand with each other. We laugh with each other. We cry with each other, right? We rejoice with those who rejoice. We weep with those who weep. We put each other first. We love one another. We serve one another. We pray for one another. We encourage one another. One another. We are the family of God. Now, we might even get into fights. We might even get into fights. Isn't that what family does? We get into fights. We might even get into fights, but the difference is that we learn how to forgive. We learn how to extend grace. We learn how to talk things through. We learn how to pray things through. We learn how to work things out. Now, don't get me wrong. I know that there's some people that have left church because they did get in a fight. I understand that. I get it. We're all human. But as the family of God, what we learn as God's family is that we forgive as we grow and work through things together. And as the family of God, the church is where we find accountability. It's where people can come and, and get up in our lives and, and, and encourage us and warn us and challenge us and help us to grow. 
This is where people are supposed to cheer us on, to celebrate us, to be there for us, to say, if nobody else is for you, I'm for you. If everybody else has given up on you, I won't give up on you. Folks, the world is full of people that have been given up on. The world is full of people that have been given up on. And if the church gives up on people, who do they have? If we give up on each other, who do we have? We are the family of God. That's what makes church so beautiful. And I know lots of times we're like, man, I don't want you in my business. I don't want you to know what's going on. But this is why it's so beautiful to become family. This is supposed to be the safest place in the world. Those of you who have brothers and sisters, you know as well as I do how much you fought, how things you know, went awry many times, how you got into arguments and so forth and so on. You may not even see eye to eye at times or whatever. You may even tell each other you hated one another, right? But when somebody else said it, the war was on, wasn't it? Listen, I can say whatever I want to say to my brother or my sister, but when you say it, I'm going to smack you. Right? You don't talk about my family, right? It's family. Now, here's the thing. Because it's family, because it's family, that means sometimes as family, you've got to hear the truth. You've got to hear the truth and be able to receive the truth. Family doesn't mean that I'm supposed to overlook everything that you do. Family doesn't mean that I'm supposed to allow you to treat me any way you're supposed to treat me. Or that I can just watch you live your life however you want to live and turn, a, turn my eye. As family, we should be people who challenge each other, go after each other, and recognize that sometimes hard love has to be extended. We're family. Number three, the church is a place of purpose. When we gather together on Sundays and Wednesdays, there is a purpose behind why we are here. We, we don't just come here to check off a spiritual activity that we have on our list as good little Christians. When we come on Sundays or when we come on Wednesdays, we don't take our spiritual checklist out and say, check, I did my job for the week. Check, I did what I was supposed to do. Check, I'm a good little Christian boy or girl. Right? And in a lot of cases, that's the way it seems. I'm engaged right now with you, Pastor. I'm hearing what you're saying. But man, oh man, Mexicans calling my name. I'm engaged with you right now, Pastor. But I'm going to forget what you said on Monday, right? When we come here, there's a purpose. We're here to encounter God. We're here to worship. As Pastor Don said here this morning, to experience, to see. To not just hear, but to see, to know, to experience, to have a relationship. And to worship not just by singing, but by giving and serving. And even listening to the word of God being taught. Maybe you've never thought of it that way. But the fact that you sit here and allow the word of God to be spoken into your heart is an act of worship. It's an act of honoring God and his commands. Honoring God and his purpose for our lives. We act like we can only worship if we've got some type of worship service going on. We can only worship if we sing the right song that makes me feel good. And that's one of the issues that we have when it comes to church is that we base so much on how it makes me feel when in reality it should be, it should be based upon our desire to give to God in worship, to give to God in obedience, to give to God in surrender, to give to God in service. This is what it means to worship God. It's a place of purpose. 
We don't just gather here, and I've said this many times before, we have to recognize this supernatural moment that we're in. I'm not always going to say the right words or preach the right sermon or put all the points together in the best way. But as we sit here and listen to God's word and sing songs to him, we are having a supernatural encounter with God. It's also the place where we find our callings, where we can serve and use the gifts that God has given us. I remember talking to a lady one time and she told me, she's like, Mark, I just don't know what God's purpose is for my life. How do I find out what God's purpose is for my life? And I asked her, I said, are you attending church anywhere? And she said, no. I said, you'll never find it until you do. You'll never find it until you do. You're not going to be out here lone ranger and all over the place and God is going to place some special ministry upon you because you're so special. Purpose, calling, is found within the context of the church. This is how God has chosen to impact our world. It is found within the context of our connection to each other in this sanctuary. It's that beautiful. It's that wonderful. If you want to know what God has called you to do, it has to start there. It has to start with your connection to the local church. As we find our identity through our connection as the body and the family of God, we find our purpose through serving each other and serving our world through the proclamation of the gospel. Because the church is a mission, and we're all called to be a part of it. We are a mission. We're not based upon um, a group that just gathers together because we have nothing else to do. We are on a mission, and we are called to be a part of it. And as we obey God and obey His Word, we find out who we are in Christ. We find out truly who we are as the people of God. And finally, number four, it is a place of preparation. We all know that the earth is only temporary. We're made for eternity. And church is where we learn to be prepared for eternity. It's where we learn to prepare our lives. I mean, let's just be honest. We've done a lot to prepare ourselves here on planet earth. Right? We, we fix ourselves up. We try to put on presentable clothing. We try to fix our hair if we've got any. We put makeup on if we need it. We save money so that we can use it later. We invest in things so that we can plan for our future. We, we, we take our kids' future into account when we think about where we're going to live and where they're going to go to school and what kind of job we work and whether I should stay at my job or not. We prepare for things all our lives. We all prepared before we came here this morning, right? Most of you ate some kind of breakfast, put on some clothes, brushed your teeth, thank God. Came to church. You prepared yourself. But how, how much time do we spend daily recognizing that my soul needs preparation, that my spirit needs preparation, that eternity matters? But it's also, the church is not only preparation for eternity, it's where we learn to prepare for the battles of this life. It's where we learn to be warriors, where we learn to stand, where we learn to walk by faith, where we learn how to operate in the fruit of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit. It's where we allow God to prepare us for what we are about to face. 
where we learn to be prepared to be salt and light as we engage our culture. A city set on a hill that cannot be hid that we've been talking about on Wednesday nights. We recognize that we are in a locker room. I believe Pastor Don used that analogy. We are in a locker room to be prepared for what it takes to win the victory and live victoriously in the life that we live. Here we learn, here we grow, and here is where we are sanctified. Where we are set apart, where God works in us the purpose of God. It is by the grace of God that I'm still becoming Christ-like. That I'm still becoming more like Jesus. I haven't arrived. I still need grace. So I'm still needing to be sanctified. I'm still needing to be set apart. I'm still needing to be challenged. I'm still needing to recognize that holiness matters and purity matters. And that if I'm going to be who God called me to be, then I need to learn. I need to grow. I need to submit. I need to submit my heart to authority. I need to submit my heart to the word of God. I need to submit my heart to you as the people of God. Church is not about how did the music make me feel. Church is not about... Was the sermon really that engaging of my emotions? Church is not, did they buy the donut that I wanted? Did the, church, did the coffee taste burnt? That's not what church is about. Church is not about consumption. It's about giving and growing and allowing God's word to sanctify us. When we are at church, we're not consumers. This isn't necessarily Burger King. Where you can have it your way. Right? And just one more thing about sanctification. Some of you Christians in restaurants need to remember you're a Christian. Some of y'all are unsaved tippers. You run your poor waiter and waitress to death and flip a quarter on the table with a track that says Jesus loves you. She's probably going to take that quarter and the track and throw it in the trash. Right? I remember when we used to take the youth out, the youth would go out to eat with us afterwards, and some of them were like, I want to go, I want to go. My first question always was, do you have enough money for a tip? Because if you don't, you don't have enough money. I would take a poll. How much money do you have? I have $11. You can buy a water and a breadstick. Welcome to prison. <laughs> we find out how sanctified we are in restaurants, on the highway, at work. That's where we find out how sanctified we are. As we open up our hearts to the work of the Spirit and the work of the church, He prepares our hearts for God's mission and for the eternal reward that awaits us. That, that has to mean, that has to mean that we celebrate truth, that our hearts are open to conviction, that our hearts are open to be challenged, that we're not always going to hear a sermon that makes us feel good, that we're not always going to sit through a church service that gives us chill bumps, that we're not always going to leave a, a church service crying or, or having some type of emotional fit. <coughs> what it does mean is that we've had an encounter with God's command. We've had an encounter with God's presence. We've had an encounter with God's word. And it has challenged us. Church helps the people of God endure. And it encourages us to persevere when we want to quit. 
because the church is a place of preparation. It prepares us to recognize that battles are coming, that not every day is going to be wonderful, that not every day is a day where we're going to celebrate. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Got me in my throat. It's not a day that we're all going to dance around and everything's always going to be joyful. We recognize that. But it prepares us to continue to walk by faith. And so this morning as I close, I believe that church matters. And I believe that the decline in church attendance in our country has brought great harm to our society. I believe in the church. I believe that the church is important to God and therefore should be important to us. But I want you to know this morning, the most important thing that you must consider is if you are a part of the church. I'm not asking you, are you a part of living faith? I'm not asking if you're a member of this congregation. I'm asking you, are you a part of the church? Have you been born again? Are you saved? Have you been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ? Have you been redeemed? Have you surrendered your life to Christ? Because this is what it means to be a member of the church. Then, where, where can I connect in a local body? To live out the faith that I have. So we ask ourselves, am I even a part of the church? If I'm not, we've got to start there. But if we are a part of the body of Christ, where can I connect? Where can I grow? Where can I be a part of what God is doing? And that's where LFC comes in. That's why we're here. We want you to be here. We want you to attend. We want you to be a part of what's happening here. We want you to get involved. We want you to serve and connect and reach out. We want you to worship with us and hear and grow with us. We want you here. Church matters. And I pray that this year, that in 2022, we make church matter in our life. That we make church a priority. We make church a place where our families can grow and our families can connect to God and where we can help each other. I announced a few weeks ago that in, in February we're going to be having a membership class. If you're in, interested in becoming a member of Living Faith Church, a membership just means that you're committing yourself in a deeper way, that you're making certain promises uh, to yourself and to God that you will connect to this church and give of your time and give of your effort. I've had a few people that have mentioned that they would like to become members. If you are interested in becoming a member of, of Living Faith Church, I want to know, let me know. We have a short membership class one evening. Uh, we go over things about the church and we talk about our expectations and, and things like that. So if you're interested in becoming a member, we want you to be a part of Living Faith Church. We want you to be a part of what God is doing. This church is a really cool place. It's full of a lot of people that love Jesus and love people. And I'll be honest with you, I'm proud to be a part of this church. And so we are glad that you're here, and we hope that you always find a place here, that you get rooted in this place, because you can't grow if you're not rooted if you're not planted. Bow your heads with me this morning as we go into our time of prayer if we need it. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we ask you that you begin to speak to our hearts. We are grateful for the church. We are grateful for what church means. Thankful for Living Faith Church. Thank you for the many lives that have been touched and impacted by what's happened in this sanctuary. I'm grateful for my dad and my mom and a small group of people that obeyed God and decided to start this church. And I'm grateful, Lord, that no matter who's in this pulpit, 
that going forward, Living Faith Church will always be a place that honors God and lifts up the name of Jesus Christ. That no matter who leads what ministry or Jesus, you will be honored. And that lives will be impacted. Draw us to you, Lord. And I pray that you'd speak to every heart in this room that is not a part of the church, that doesn't have a relationship with you. Every person in this church that is lost this morning, broken, hurting, I ask that you would find them in their condition and in their position, that you would draw them by the grace of God. There's some of you in here that one time you were hurt by the church. maybe even abused by the church. And you felt hurt and angry and for a long time. And I'm here to tell you, as imperfect as the church is, it's a beautiful place when God's grace is present. It is here that we want to help you get through whatever hurt you have faced. Today is your day you don't know him today is your day to experience his grace today is your day if you're hurting to experience his grace if you're in this room today and you need prayer for any reason we want to pray with you we believe in a God who heals we believe in a God who empowers us by the baptism of the Holy Spirit we believe in a God who wants to deliver us if you need prayer this morning I'll pray with you or you can come to this altar and spend time in prayer but don't let this supernatural moment pass you by. Let God's word and purpose speak to you this morning as you, as you hear his voice. If you can, you will. Why don't you stand to your feet? We're going to sing one more worship song together. And as we do this, if you need prayer, come in Jesus' name.